What's up, everyone? This is Philly Pat back on the Philly Pat Project. Um, spring break is over. I know I missed last week. A lot going on. Um, getting things prepared um, for this epic two-part episodes that I'm going to be doing. This is the uh, episode I've been waiting to do. It's the episode that has inspired the podcast when it comes to the love of horror we have here on the Philly Pat Project. This is the fucking scream episode, everyone. Um, and this is part one. I am super, super excited um, to be able to do this episode. As always, I really thank my listeners. I can't do this without you. This community we're building here on the podcast, um, I'm eternally grateful for you guys. And as always, the future listeners, the ones who are going to be joining, I welcome you. Welcome to the Philly Pat Project. We are um, here. This is the episode that I've been waiting for. Um, And plot twist, got some guests. So I have back with me, Brooke. The future Mrs. Philly Pat. Hello. I have little man, my little man returning since the Christmas episode, my little man Nathan. Hello. And I have our good friend here at the Philly Pat Project, uh, one of our good friends and fellow horror fan, Josh. What's going on, famo? So we are super excited. Uh, I decided to break this down into two episodes. We have six screen movies. So there's a lot to talk about. Um, tonight, we're talking about Scream, Scream 2, Scream 3, the original trilogy, um, all the spoilers and thoughts that we have. If you haven't seen Scream, please go do that. Like, please go do that immediately. Um, and get involved in that franchise. It is mostly, if I'm not mistaken, pretty much everyone's favorite horror franchise in this room. So we definitely recommend the franchise. Um, and we're going to get started. We're going to go right in order of the movies. Um, and we're going to start with the OG, um, the best of the trilogy. I think there's no debate in the room about that. Um, Scream 1, right? Um so iconic, game changer, uh, really, really, really changed the horror genre um, and and blossomed into, you know, the Scream franchise that is probably the most consistently great franchise in horror, still going strong, awesome to Wes Craven and to all the writers and the directors, actors and actresses who's made these movies possible um, for us fans. I know I appreciate it and we here uh, at the Philly Pat Project appreciate it. So Scream 1, right? Like, fucking iconic, you know? Um, I mean, it, it, it's if it, probably the most impactful horror film that we've had uh Almost ever. I mean, to influence what we have today, you know what I mean? Of, of course, there's landmark horror films across the entire timeline. Absolutely. You know what I mean? But from what was developed beforehand, I mean, if we want to go golden age of horror is mid-70s into like, you know, late 80s. And in between that time, we have hundreds of slasher films across right. all sorts of different countries coming out. Right. You know what I mean? That's obviously in tune. That's what's popular. That's what right. makes the money. And... The rules are established by Halloween, right? Nightmare on Elm Street, right? And right. and uh, of course Friday the Thirteenth, right. which is pretty much Halloween ripoff. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, look, you know, uh, I I'll go back just a little bit, right? Um, so definitely, I think what really made horror was uh, the nineteen seventy three Exorcist. But I think it even goes a little further back to 1968 with Rosemary's, Rosemary's Baby. Baby yeah. Right. Yeah. So, like, we had we, we we had an established supernatural horror genre, and then of course, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, 1978, John Carpenter's 
original Halloween, um, an absolute masterpiece. But the Halloween franchise since then has had one or, you know, like it doesn't have a consistent sequel to like really have kept that going. Right. Um, it's very hit or miss. And right. across every single one of those franchises. Right. Uh, it's the, hit or miss. It's, it's Nightmare on Elm Street got cool with the kills, but the original is the only one that really grabbed your attention. At and least like, for three, me. And like three is good. Like I love three. Yeah. But it's not. But it will never hold a candle to one. No. And then they never. have all these other ones in between that are right. like, hey, what the fuck are we doing? Right. And, and then you also have like, you know, um, Friday the 13th. The first one was cool. It was a nice twist. It's a formula that... I really that, love the first one. Right. But. The first one was really, really dope. Um, and then, like, of course, they bring in the main villain, right? But then it just got so, like, all right, you know, kids go back to the camp and they're murdered and all this other stuff. And they're doing all these big no-no rules, right? So then Scream comes out, right? And what was so, so iconic about it is from the opening scene, changed everything. Right. You had Drew Barrymore, who, you know, plays the character of Casey. And, you know, if you if you know movies and, and you know the era, right, like Drew Barrymore has been in movies since a child. So she has come up in the genre and in filmmaking. I mean, she's, and yeah, she's the star. She started she, on E.T., baby. Right. She was like the biggest star of that movie opening scene she's put on the you know cutting room floor. Like, we're just going to let you know that we Wes Craven said let me tell you a story about how I'm going to change the fucking game. I put her on all these posters, all the marketing. She's doing a shitload of interviews, right? Like you're like, okay, this is the final girl. Like they're, they're bringing in a big name. And no, no, 10 minutes in, like she is gutted. And they didn't even pull, they didn't no. even pull a psycho. No. Where like they let her have 40 minutes. No, they said. You know what I mean? Right. They, like, no, it was like they gave ten, her 10 minutes. 10 fucking minutes in, man. And it was so cool because I really, really, I watch that scene pretty frequently, right? And I watch it, studying it, right? Like you, you went to film school, I'm doing it, right? And I'm looking at this scene and like her charisma, the flirtation, the the like really creepy iconic Roger L. Jackson with the ghost face voice, like the whole entire dynamic of that scene and then the terror comes in. But what does Scream do that makes it so awesome? It goes meta. It starts referencing all these horror movies. Like that's a big formula. Right. And he's like, like oh, well, you know what I mean? And then it starts off games what's your, of cat what's your and favorite mouse. scary movie. Right. It goes this cat and mouse and you know it, it it's just it's still, if not the best opening scene, top two, right? Yeah. Like, like it's definitely an opening scene that is iconic in horror history. Um, and then you get the story. Then you find out who really the final girl is, right? Like Sydney Prescott, played by Nev Campbell, um, you know, and she's the she's the face of the of the of the series, and you get. You know Dewey and um, Gale and like the the original you know um, original cast right like of these core people and you know you get a little bit of this and a little bit of that but it also subverts things right like it subverts things in the sense that like you meet all the characters so you start putting your suspect list together. And, you know, it's throwing this suspect in your face and then saying, no, 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 we're going to pull back a little bit. And then you're like, well, if it ain't this obvious person, right, in mm -hmm. Skeet Ulrich, like if 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 Billy, his character is not the killer, then then who is it? And it just plays this cat and mouse game to the very end. And it's done so well because it's in your face and it tricks you. It's like. We should think from right. Jump Street that this fucking guy is the killer, right? Like he comes in, he meets Sydney, his girlfriend. Right. He's also, but he's the boyfriend, right? So you don't want to think that often nah. because you're like, okay, I like Sydney. She's a good girl, right? You know what I mean? She's got a good head on her shoulders, right? You want to think her boyfriend that. cannot be the killer, right? And then, but she's also very vulnerable, and that's the part that that makes the whole subversion, subverting and, and trickery work is because even though you're like, I don't want to suspect a boyfriend, that's too obvious, right? Um, you know, you also have to remember as sharp and as witty and as very, very level-headed as Sydney is, she's also very vulnerable because the movie starts out with 
and you know like her mother was killed before the movie started by uh this what appears to be this guy cotton weary right and Liv schreiber um excellent actor and and he is she's dealing with the trial and like what's going on with the media and his impending execution and all that so she's very vulnerable um but yeah i mean it's definitely it changes the game and then of course what no one ever expected that just like you couldn't even really think about it the 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 funny hilarious matthew lillard turns out that not only should we have thought billy was the killer cuz he is the killer but he wasn't doing it alone right like twist is is yeah check this out which right? had like, never really been seen no, before no no it or or like a human killer for that for that matter right and this likable funny hilarious unsuspecting guy he's in on it right he's 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 you know there's two of them so that kind of you know they've 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 done that as the movies have gone along, but like the first one holds right. up because that's the like one we that's expect like, that at this point, right? That but, was fucking groundbreaking, then. right? That was like, hold up, there's two of these, but it, it's kind of cool how it plays out, right? Um, you know, and you had Randy and Jamie Kennedy, you know, like up until that moment, you're like, is it Randy? Is it the guy who knows all about heart? Like, what is going on? And then Billy shows up, and it's like, oh, he's not really dead. And there's just so many cool things. And, you know, I, I still think the ending of that movie is the best. And their performance and how unhinged they truly are. And how sick they really are. Because even though it's Billy getting back at Sydney for her mother having this affair with his dad. Causing the mom to leave. But we also find out that really they're just two psychopaths. Especially Stu. Like he's just Especially like, dude, I'm in. I'm, I'm in. Like, I'm in, and it's I mean, definitely... Billy's obviously leading it. You know, right. He's, like, the, he's, he's the mastermind of right, the entire the, thing. Right, but but Stu is like, hey, look, you know, like, I, I'll do it. Why not? Like, watch watch, watch a few movies, take a few notes. It was fun. Um, so, iconic. Great stuff. I just want to know why Matthew Lillard had to spit everywhere all the time. <laughs> It just maybe just had a lot of did saliva buildup. You know that? That? There was just like a lot of spit no, there was yeah, especially towards the end where he's like really, really yeah, losing he's it. really losing his mind. Well, he's losing a lot of blood too. He's losing well, his too. mind. But the improv, the improv of that scene too. You got you know like yeah, like you know my mom and dad are gonna be so mad at me. Great fucking line, perfect. He had the you know um, he hit me with the phone deck and like. He's just so unhinged. But he's also caught off guard, too. I think he, like, didn't really understand what Billy's motive was up until that point. Like, no, he's I, just feel like, like, yeah, I feel like he was, he had left, that he was left in the dark a lot. He was like, uh... But he's questioning himself, like, I'm really just a... A peer pressure. I guess I'm just a fucking nut. You can say peer pressure all you want. Stu is the man because he really had no motive. That was no, like... No, and, and, and Billy even says... It's scary when there's no motive. He does. You know, I mean, even though he has a motive, he does. I still think Billy would have snapped and killed people but regardless. Yeah, right. right? Like he just his whole charisma of that. Um but, you know, you were ten when it came out. Yeah. And see me as uh Ages Nathan. Yeah. And, you know, you I don't remember you, if I saw it when it first came out, to be perfectly honest with you. Did you guys? I saw it a little later. Yeah, no, I definitely sure. didn't. Yeah, because we were I young, definitely did right? not see it. Yeah. I think I, I think I was like six years old when it came I, out. I don't think it wasn't until the fourth one that I saw. Well, no, I saw the third one in theater. That was the first one I saw in theater. I was about my son's age. But um, I had seen the other two prior, but I didn't experience Scream on the big screen until the third one just because, you know... Um, you know how far back it's yeah. been. Yeah, I mean, you got to be a certain age to get in the movie theater. You do. You know I mean? you do. But I had a great grandfather. I had a great grandfather, and you know, it started with seven to hear Scream, and I'm just like, and here's Halloween, and I'm like, cool, Grandpa, like you're the coolest dude in the world. And he blossomed hard, which little man here has followed suit. Um, I know that this is his favorite franchise. And also, too, what's so awesome is is that he got to meet Matthew Lillard and Skeet Ulrich um, at a horror festival. 
So walk me through, like, what was so, you know, why do you love Scream so much? Because I really love how the acting went. Because they went step by step, and Billy and Stu took turns, like, killing Mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah, you find out. And uh, what's really memorable uh, death, a memorable death is uh, Tatum. Tatum, yep. Yep, Rose uh, McGowan. She, everyone's favorite. Everyone's favorite. Yeah, I love so, that movie. Uh-huh. What happens? Love her personality is, um, too. <laughs> what happens is uh, Tatum goes in the garage and a scream goes in there, and she's grabbing beers, drinks, and right. stuff, and then she turns around to see Scream, and she's like, "Oh, are we gonna play a serial killer game and right. stuff?" And he doesn't say a word. Mm-hmm. And then he starts... He, like, cuts her arm. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Oh, no, this is this is not a joke. Uh-huh. <laughs> she knew it was not a joke. She, tra- she starts screaming. No one heard her, though. Right. Uh, and she, uh, she ran to the garage and made the dumbest move ever by going <laughs> into... <laughs> All right, so, you know... There was like the flap thing she yep. went into. She got stuck into it. Uh-huh. And Scream clicks the button, which right. makes the garage go up. Mm-hmm. And uh, her death is uh, she breaks her neck. Right. You know, I think that, yeah, I'd have to agree. Like, I think each film, just about each film, has that one death. Okay, so that might be the best death in the movie. It's honestly. the best death and most creative. The, other, that, other than the opening scene, obviously. Say. Other than the, the opening, opening scene is brutal. No, yeah. Right. And, you know, parents come in, I and think, they see all that shit. I think, but, for me, when I look at, like, and as we go along here, like, each movie has that one death where it hurts. And you're like, why? And, like, we didn't get to really know Drew Barrymore's character. Right. But we felt for her. Like, that was brutal. Like, I, you, like you got hung from a tree and gutted the fuck up. But Tatum was a character who had time in the movie. That and we this cared is, about. Right. Yeah. And this is Sydney's mm-hmm. best friend. And she's just so charming and funny. And, like, she has the appeal and everything going for her. And it's Stu's girl. And we don't know that Stu's involved yet. So you're like, oh, the cool guy's girlfriend. Oh, man. You know? And... It was creative, and it was the death where you're like, damn, they had to get her. But, you know, um, that's what the movie does, right? And that's another great thing about this franchise is that you really do love these characters. Like, these are characters you relate to, you feel for. There's a lot of emotion. And I think that's what also changed the horror genre is, like, I didn't care about... I mean, Laurie Strode, sure, Halloween. Sure. But in Friday the Thirteenth, any, anybody, anybody who's a victim, I didn't care. We, we were looking, we were looking forward to them getting right. Whacked. Like we're like, I want you to die. Like I need entertainment. Please show me how you're going to create. Don't kill, kill Tatum. Why are you killing? Like that's the thing that Scream has done is it gives you these characters where you're like, I love these. There characters. wasn't, uh, there wasn't. Why really are they a, dying? There wasn't really any slasher that had that much character development mm. up until that point. No, no. With the exception of Jamie Lee Curtis and respect to her, like, I cared for her character. Yeah, before Scream, I don't think anything in the 80s, you know, that I can think of at this point in time had a character that died or was in a movie where I wanted, I was rooting for him. What about Nightmare on Elm Street? I love that movie, but Nancy wasn't as memorable as Laurie Strode. Johnny Depp? Johnny Depp is the man, but, but at Johnny that point Depp, in time, he was nobody. He was yeah. his first movie. Like, all right, you're cool, dude. But like, yeah, I guess it was like, ah, you had to die. But it didn't hit me like Tatum. It didn't hit me like some of these other characters. So, um, yeah. I know for me, like with Scream, because it came out when I was so so young, it was, um, you know, the horror movie for me. Yeah. Like, I didn't grow up in the 80s, so I didn't grow up with, like, right. the end. Right, right, I grew Same. up with Screams. Mm-hmm. That was one that, it sticks out. It's, what, like, one of my favorite, if not my favorite horror. Right. Um, so that's why it's so memorable for me, and I cared about those characters because I could kind of relate to them. That's a, ver- I also that's a very good point. It is, and I think Scream, too, like, what made it so great is, is you could see the influence of the movie in other movies, and as the movies go on, they take influence from other movies. And Scream and Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson, the writer, um, the original writer, right? Like, they brought in, you know, this formula that 
Like, that's the movie that drew me to really... Like, I had seen a few horror before, but, like, that's the movie that, like, was like, dude, I love horror. I love this type of horror. I love the whodunit part well, of it. it wasn't... The, the whole little Scooby-Doo aspect of it. Like, yeah. everything worked with it. And I'm still, like, 25 years later and six movies in... It's not a franchise. I'm horror, fucking tired of Horror wasn't that like intellectual up no. until that point. Or self-aware. Like, like or or self-aware. Right. It was, it was very like, you know, this is what sells. Let's put it on the screen and let's make a buck. Yeah. Which, don't get me wrong. I still love a lot of classic slasher movies. Absolutely. I love a lot of them. Right. But they're not, they don't bring as much to the table as Scream brings. I don't know. There's just I so agree. much more. And for the massive, massive audience. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you can reach like you can bring your you can, kids right and you, you know can what I mean like so there's certain people. right and like there's certain things like you know in that scream don't do so that it can be a family affair like we you know my family we go see this movie when it comes out like we enjoy it you know i know my kid can watch it understand it take from it the experience but like have an appreciation for it and it's like for me it's really cool cuz it's the legacy i get to carry on that's what was done for me and as um Nathan will tell you, you know, the actors, you know, in, in these movies are so down to earth and they're so, you know, kid friendly and they're so humble and they're so grateful to be a part of this experience. You know, like they have that to be able to bring to the table and have on their resume. Like I was a part of something that's become so big. And another thing, I mean, other other than obviously like Jamie Lee Curtis, she's a very strong female lead. Right. But. You didn't see that many strong female leads in horror movies up until that point either. No, no. You, you didn't, didn't see, you didn't see a Sydney that could fight back. You didn't see a Gale that could hold her own. Right. You know what I mean? Like that. Right. That just didn't really exist. It didn't. And you know, if Nathan, if you want to talk any any more about uh, meeting Matthew Lillard or yeah. or Skeetle Rich, you, you know. Actually, uh, like a year back. Um... Me and my dad went to Lake Charlotte. Yep. M- me, Brooke, and Dad uh, got like a little Jason mask, mm-hmm. I believe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fun time. And like, we uh, we saw him and uh, Stewie and Dewey. We saw uh, Dewey first. No, we saw no, Billy no, and no, Stewie. Billy, Billy. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, I would like, like to meet Dewey. <laughs> but. Yeah. We uh, got an autograph by him. It was pretty sick. Uh, and uh, we saw uh, Stunax, right? Yeah. And uh, he let us get in front of the line. And would you like to tell us why? He, Matthew Lowers, has kids, loves kids, and is a kid-friendly guy, you know? Um, he's done a lot of stuff with kids since then in movies. So it was a really cool experience to be able to get in front of the line and, like, get to meet him and see his compassion and love uh, for his fans and, and for everyone involved. It was a cool experience. Um, he, um, when he saw your shirt, he was amazed because he, he yep. loved it. He loved how it was literally it's himself him. saying, my mom and dad are going to kill me. Uh, iconic shirt. Iconic or uh, shirt. my mom and dad, dad are, are going to be, be so, so mad. mad at me. Yep. Yeah, so. yeah. No, it's good. And, uh, yeah, he, yeah, as dad said, he loves kids and yeah, he's a nice person. So, Scream, yeah. huge accomplishment for us uh, and our love for movies. Scream 2. Um, Scream 2 came out and, you know, we were still reeling, I think, as like an audience and, you know, what our expectations were. Um, with you know, like they quickly turned around a year later and they came out with Scream 2. And I think, in a lot of ways, like I don't think it outdid the first one in a personal opinion. But what I think Scream, to, Scream 2 did is it used a, a bigger budget, it got gorier, um, the stakes were much higher. Um, I think the opening scene rivals the opening scene um, of Scream 1. I mean, it was so meta. You had Omar Epp, you had Jada uh, Pinkett before the Smith, and you know they're 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 just some film students and college students. You know they had you know Sydney, Randy have moved on. They've gone to college. Gail, you know, shows up. Dewey shows up after the murders start happening. But like you have these, you have these 
film students going to see a movie, which is Stab. It becomes a part of the franchise. It's a movie about the first one. So it's like the opening night. They're going to catch a horror movie, a little date night, and everyone's wearing the screen mask and the costume from the movie and from the first one. And they're off in a movie theater amongst a crowd, hiding in plain sight, brutally murdered. Um, and it was just, again, screen two letting you know, like, we know what we're doing. This is Wes Craven saying, I know exactly what I'm doing. And he's, you know, it's so meta and it's so thrilling and there's so much going on and you're like you want to scream at the tv like like jay dude that's not your boyfriend like you're about to and it, it had a lot of really cool things going for it um you know i mean even when she is already stabbed, stabbed. climbing onto the stage no they're like knows. get the fuck off the stage right like they think it's a publicity <laughs> like, stop, stunt stop playing around right you know? right like they think it's a publicity stunt they have no idea until the last moment it's like oh shit this until blood starts coming out of her right. mouth she's, they're like oh shit this they ain't, they're like oh yeah they're like oh shit this this girl really just got off and like there's no way to know who did it because everyone's wearing the same mask <laughs> you know so like you're like dude I don't even know who to tell you I can't even give you a description of the guy or girl that that just did this so you know it was a really 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 great opening scene that rivals and kept up with the tradition of what scream does subverting those expectations and doing things that haven't been done um but you do you end up like meeting all these new characters um some of the returning characters and it was i'm gonna say this all right Probably one of the most obvious killers. Like, with Billy, it was, like, obvious, but they did some things throughout the movie to kind of throw you in a different mm -hmm. direction. We still don't know up until this point that there's going to be two. So you really don't know in the same way, even though it's obvious. You know what I mean? Like, it definitely is. They haven't set up, like, but, a formula of what to expect in a Scream movie yet because we're, right. we're, only, at set. we're only at two. But here's so. the genius part of that for me. You have Mickey... It's Sydney's boyfriend's best friend, um, and he's in part of their friend group, and he's this film student, and again, you know, he's a very knowledgeable horror person, he, he's very much filming them as they're walking around, like, and in the movie, the killer's filming the kills, so there's a lot of, like, obvious things right and then i think like halfway through the movie he disappears he's never attacked on screen so i wasn't surprised when mickey at the end takes off the mask i'm yeah. like yeah it's obviously you but what made that not matter is his is timothy oliphant's great performance once he's revealed like, he just goes in. Like, it's like a shining moment right. of him. Like, he just goes in. Like, it's he's like he was, psychotic. It's, it's like he was censoring himself the right. entire movie. Like, holding back who he really was. was until the end. Until, mm -hmm. until the mask came off. And, and then it could be him. And it's crazy because, you know, he completely messed up Sydney's like, psych. Like, she was screwed up from Mickey's, you know, presence and how close of a friend he was and just... How she got duped like that. She's already she's already traumatized all, from what just happened. Right. And then he thing. even messes with her because in the end, her boyfriend had gotten, you know, um, hazed and all that by like the fellow um, sorority house and the frat guys and everything for, you know, earlier in the movie. And like he's hanging up there and once Mickey reveals himself, he's like... You know, he's my partner, right? Like, I mean, come on, man. Like, are you, don't you know how this works? Like, Billy, him, Billy, him, Billy, him. So she wants to save him. Mickey's messing with her, making her think, like, well, Billy, yeah, Billy was a killer. Like, there, there's usually two of them, right? Like, that and this part she's called. This just happened to me a year ago. This just happened to me like a year or two ago. So I'm like, She's caught in the moment and then Mickey like just pulls out the fucking cop gun and like bam, like just right through the heart. So she then has to watch him die. And then he goes on to just an unhinged performance like, well, you wish you could have brought him home to mom. I mean, he was a doctor. He's perfect. Like, why would you even think that this great guy is as fucked up in the head as I am? No. 
So he like really the the trauma he inflicts in that moment is is like from an artist standpoint watching it play out is like yo this this dude's nuts because he just wants to get caught like that's his mo I want to get caught and I want to be Ted Bundy like I want to be the guy that people look at like dude that dude's a psycho like he went on a murder spree and like it's crazy so. Scream Two was definitely the perfect sequel, and it's like um, by that, and then like by that time, in America, I mean like that's when serial killers start becoming like kind of a craze. Yep, you know what I mean. Yep. Like that becomes very very popular, especially in the media and whatnot. So it's like he's looking at you know the stab movies yep. and what happened prior in Woodsboro, the, and he's influenced universe. by that. Right, he is. You know, so not only is that happening like in America, but like then transfer that into the film world. And he's influenced by prior murders that have happened. Right. And he was much he was much gorier in how he went about it because plot twist, Mrs. Loomis, um, Billy's mother, uh, is the second killer. Now the only issue I have, and I'll comment on this when we get further down the line, uh, with other movies. The only thing that I really and she look her like whole performance as an unhinged mother and just a psycho like she definitely had a stealing the show moment i credit the actress for her role and i did like the twist i did like oh damn mom mom's coming back like that whole good, and she has a lot of good back and forth she does scenes with gail but that's the thing is what i didn't like is that she's such a side character throughout the movie it was good, like, in subverting your expectations, and it was good, like, making sense of it. Like, it's Mrs. Loomis. She's coming for revenge for her son's death in the first one, and, you know. Um, but, like, she didn't really – like, first of all, you abandoned your son, right? Like, and Sydney points that out. Like, you're not a great mom. Like, what are you doing? But also in the same sense, it it's like you're such a side character, like – because up until that point, it's almost like, why are you here? You know what I, I mean? Think, like, she, yes, she's a journalist. Right, And, and she's right. covering the story just like Gail is. Yeah. You know. She's but, annoying. But that's she's the thing. Like, she was great in her role and her reveal and everything. And, like, it was cool. It's just, for me, my only critique with that is, like, Billy and Stu were so involved with our characters. Like, the entire that, film. Like, that that left a lot of psycho, psycho, like, psychological damage. And, like, they were so close to home. And right. then even Mickey, despite being so obvious and despite like those little small flaws in the sense, depending on how you want to look at that, because again, Scream 2 is one of the best sequels to a horror movie ever. But Mickey was involved. He was very close to his victims. He was like he was a psycho who lured himself to them and like infiltrated that group and like really made them believe that he was a good guy. Like he went that step. So it does have that impactful trauma on Sydney and it, it it's a little bit more de- in depth in that way. So it was like, okay, well, Mrs. Loomis, here we are. And I think I think like again, it works. It does well. Um, you know, it's definitely something you don't see coming, like at all. But I just think it would have been cooler if like she had a like like I said, she was definitely involved with Gail, and it makes sense because Sydney recognizes was, her immediately. For, for me, that's the you know only I mean? that's the only other. I mean, I'm jumping ahead because for me, Jill is, is the most. I did not see that coming. Right, and that's we'll the second. That, yeah, that's the one. That's the other one that I definitely didn't see coming. Yeah, I didn't I mean, see that Debbie well, Salt no, was gonna I be. I think I think this newest one had like a little bit of something that like catches you off guard and was like a nice little twist. Yeah. Um, but it does. it does. It does. But you know, not getting ahead. But but Screen Two also had, and this is what the movies generally did. I don't think Screen Three anywhere in there there was like. Anything is impactful, but I will say they 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 raised the stakes, and the most memorable and hurtful death, probably the second most hurtful death. We'll get to all that later because that's not part of tonight's episode. But they killed Randy in broad daylight. Yeah, yeah. Mrs. Loomis, the one kill we know she was she did because she admits it. Um, Pulls him into the van and takes out our good boy and Randy. Honestly, and I wasn't expecting that. He might be I, he might be my favorite character from one. Overall, 
Yeah. Just because, oh, yeah, of, how much, just, yeah. Just because of how much a horror fan I am. Yeah. How much I have in common I with I really Randy. liked him. Randy was, like, Jamie Kennedy really brought a lot of charisma and a lot of, like... Like, well, he's um, the backbone to understanding all the horror that was. Came, and, and, came before. But he was so likable, too. You know what that I mean? Too. Like, he was, like, he even, like, makes fun of himself in the movie when he's talking to Dewey. He's like, he's, I'm here. I love Sydney. I wish I could be with her, but I'm going to be around her any way I can. And I'm just the cool guy who's waiting for his chance. And unfortunately, you know, he doesn't make it. And, you know, like, as right before the moment, I'm preparing myself. I'm like, ugh. But, like, I still didn't want to see it happen, you know, like, and that's what gets you. And then also, too, like, they did this with Dewey. Dewey in the first one, like, he's stabbed in the back. He's not part of the finale, but he makes it. And then they really messed with me <laughs> in stabbing the shit out of him oh, yeah. while Gail has to watch. And I'm like, I hate these people. But I also love it because like you're doing like like what they do and what's great about this series is they do exactly those things and they push just enough buttons to make it heart up until that point that might be the biggest I mean next to Randy dying that's the biggest heart shot because you think Dewey died in that one yeah yeah in that one it, it's definitely like damn and he survives and it's great because I think overall and I've seen all six. Obviously, so Dewey is like the heart of this franchise for me. Without question. Like, he is the heart. He's the goofy dude, but he shows up when he needs to, and like, he gets shit done. He's a protector, You know what I mean? Like, he's a protector, and he's so, so lovable, and I think that's just credit to David Arquette, and how much, like, you know, because like I, I, I was saying, or I may have mentioned, he originally auditioned for Billy, but fell in love as he was reading the script with the character of Dewey and he really nailed it. Like he really came in and David Arquette has like done some other great roles and has dapped in horror and in a few other movies. But like, this is the one role where like he really, really did it, you know? And I think that like, you see that in his development as a character, being that protector, his love hate relationship with Gail that we grow to see in love Throughout the series. And so. he starts to slowly come out of his shell as the movies yeah. go on, too. Mm-hmm. So, what about you? Like, what was Scream 2 for you? Honestly, when I first saw it, I wasn't super impressed. Because um, I loved the Boo. first one so much. <laughs> um, so, I mean, nice okay. save. Okay. Nice save. No, I, it's true. Like, I, I, it's I don't fair. know. I get it. That's and that, I kind of feel, not to get too far ahead of myself, but... That's how I feel about the sixth one. Like, I love the fifth one. And I just feel, like, a little I, disappointed. I, but, I get um, it. I get it. For what it's worth, um, after rewatching it, I like the second one a lot more now. Um, it grows on you. It definitely Kinda grows. Kind of like the sixth yeah. one. Well. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, like I said, I, I felt like um, Mrs. Loomis was, her character is super annoying yeah. And she just kept popping up out of nowhere. And then I was annoyed that I didn't suspect her because it's like, of course it's her. Mm-hmm. She's always around. Right. Yeah. Like when yeah. Gail comes out after the whole And she thing. leaves when Sydney, because in the reveal, she recognizes her immediately. And yeah. She has to keep her cover. But I also like the character development real quick because uh, we have to one more movie to cover and wrap up. What I really like is, is once we find out Cotton Weary is not the killer... They mess with you a little bit in the second one as a red herring. And at no point did I think he was the killer. I knew he was a red herring. I knew exactly what they were doing. Even if they were trying to get you, that's not something that they were able to accomplish. Depending, no disrespect to the great Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson, if that's what their intentions were. But he was showing up and he had some moments where you're really, really unsure about him. But his growth was really awesome in this one because he ends up in the finale... He ends up saving Sydney's life. He ends up proving in that moment, like, I really never wanted anything to happen to you or your family. And I feel bad for even having the affair with your mom. Like, I didn't want to be a part of any any of that, and I would never hurt you. And he shoots Mrs. Loomis, you know what I mean? And I will say, though, the best death of any of the killers besides, and we're not going to get ahead to the other ones, up until this point in the first story, Mickey's death was great. This dude got shot with two full clips, went flying, and I think that that was really, really great. That jump, like, 
last jump scare the killer goes for. Yeah, I mean, fucking blood fucking, everywhere. You know fucking. what I mean? And again, I really like the dropping the TV on Stu's head. That was really fucking cool and inventive. But I just like the way it played out with Cotton having shot Mrs. L- Mrs. Loomis. And then, you know, um, Mickey jumping up and getting blown the fuck away. It was absolutely... <laughs> Comedy gold. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was the icing on the cake. I mean, you cake. couldn't end that any better. No, and I really think that, again, with Cotton, you know what I mean, you really grew to, like, really appreciate him. Um, well, it's so, like you were on the fence about Cotton. Right, you know in the I mean? whole like, first one. Especially because of what has happened in right. Screams thus far. It's like, well, I don't right. know. And, and you know, Liv Schreiber, he's, he's an intense dude. <laughs> right, you know he I mean? is. He's he, a great actor. I love him. I love him. You know, so you're kind of like, I don't know about this guy. Real quick, Nathan, do you have anything you want to add to Scream 2 in your experience watching that? Yes. Only one thing, though. Okay. It's one thing I didn't like. That's fine. Which was kind of sad for me. Okay. As Dad was saying about Randy's death, yeah, I didn't really like that. But my dad was telling me on how he was like, oh, in the second one, I kind of want to die in this one. And, like, I didn't really like that because... He was, he was, like, a really good character. I loved his acting. He was, he was like, acting like the boss and stuff. Mm-hmm. He was, like, telling, always, always never say you're going to come back. Yep. You are not going to come back. Right. It, it was so good. And he's just, like, my favorite character throughout the series. Yeah. Of this one. Yeah. Of the first couple, yeah. And just, bro, Mickey, right? Mickey, right? Had to grab him, close the van while no one's looking. I think him, no. I think that was Mrs. Him. Loomis. That was Mrs. Loomis. Mickey didn't do that one. Miss, but yeah, Mrs. Loomis grabbed him in the van, closed it, yeah. stabbed him like nine times. I, I will. I will. I will say this. I was just thinking of Mickey because I know it was Mickey in this scene. Um, I think that, uh, and as the series goes on, we can comment more on this. The tensity. And the tension really was a little bit more in the second one. Besides that opening scene of the first one, just like that car chase sequence yeah. and like crashing around and having to go over top of him. And that then, was a good scene. Yeah, that's like probably it, the most anxiety inducing scene that Scream had brought to the table. Yeah. To the table thus far. Right. And franchise. I think I think too, like just the fact that like the whole creativity was still there, like a pole going through the cop's head. Right, and then like you're screaming at Sydney, like I know your motive to wanting to go back, but don't go back. And Haley, like I did like her character. Definitely doesn't impact me as much as Randy. You know what I mean? But I did like her. Um, I thought she was a very nice addition. Um, it it was pretty pretty interesting with like her character. She was and a strong female character. She was a too. very strong She's female smart. character. She's a smart woman, she yeah. was smart and she was too smart for her own good because I would have walked back with Sydney. But, you know, that's the movie has to, you know, we got to kill some people and and so it did suck for her. Um but with that being said, we're going to get to the last one for tonight, Scream 3. Now, I am a huge Scream fan. Love the Scream movies, favorite franchise. I will have to say, and I'll go through a whole, we're all going to go through a whole ranking at the end of part two. Three is the weakest of them in that sense. And that's like really hard to say because Scream 3 did have a lot of good things going for it. Um, All in the same. Um, I think, again, because we just talked about it, um, I thought it was like, again, letting them know that like, you know, and it was supposed to be a trilogy. Like, we didn't know we were going to get a fourth, fifth, and sixth one. Um, Which so, didn't happen until far later. Anyway. Right, it didn't happen until many years later. So we think this is it. It's it's marketed as being the final one. And Cotton Weary, who we've grown to really like and appreciate in the second one, subvert your expectations, first scene, he's the most impactful death of the movie, of a character I was like, damn, why'd you... We Damn. just gain respect for you. Just gain respect for you. <laughs> um, he's killed. Um, so they set the stakes again right off the bat. You know what I mean? Shit's, gonna, shit's about to go down. Um, really love them bringing Randy back in the video. One of my favorite scenes of a Scream 3. 
because I'm still yeah, I'm still reeling from Randy's death. So I'm like, hey. And he's like, if you you know if you see this, I'm dead, and I didn't I make definitely it. This died. is what you need to learn. And he even made a joke about his own rules. He's like, I shouldn't have had lost my virginity to you know Karen Polchak. <laughs> And this is why I'm dead. Um, so it was a lot of meta funny moments. But it was heartfelt. You know what I mean? The characters got a little bit of Randy back in that moment to like just give them enough to continue on with what they needed. Um, so we're out in Hollywood. We've gone from Woodsboro to Windsor College out in Ohio. Sydney's in hiding because of the trauma of Mickey and just never like just not wanting to be hurt. Like she's very much... Her character has to go through a whole shell of emotions. She's secluded. And I um, like that they start the movie off where she's helping other women with their trauma. Right. From so, what she's been. Right. So she's trying to like find a way to move on. And, and yeah, she's helping other women and everything. But Cotton's murdered. And uh, you meet these characters. And you, there's, a, you know, there's this director of the now Stab 3. Um, and then the cast is basically... For majority of the movie, the victims and the people who are being attacked. You do have Gale and Dewey. Dewey's working on the movie, so it ties them in, which then gets Sydney to come into the movie. And then you have um, all the three actors that are playing them right. in Stab 3. So you have like a lot of meta going on in that way. And we're getting a little bit more as this movie's going on, right? Like you got like uh, Sydney's mom, Maureen Prescott's photos being left at the crime scenes. You know, he's taking credit for everything. He's like, yeah, I killed her. Like, it was it was me who did it. And you're like, well, no, Billy and Stu, like, they admitted it. You know, I, even Courtney Cox's character, Gail, says, like, how is that possible? Billy and Stu literally confessed the entire thing to Sydney back in Scream 1, right? So he's taking all this credit, you know, of everything, he or she, whatever, right? And uh, they do something different. We get one killer. Now... I think, and I'll just get to it, right? So we do find out after all these characters die, great house explosion scene with Dewey's cast in Tom getting blown up. That was very different. I like that. Um, Tyson and Jennifer, uh, Gail's counterpart, and I guess the Randy substitute. You're right, Randy um, substitute. We're probably the comedy gold of that movie. I did really like um, Jennifer's character. So when she did end up dying, um, that kind of was like, ah. You know, again, not as impactful, you know what I mean? But for that one movie, it was like, damn, I, I kind of liked your character. Tyson was hilarious, you know what I mean? Um, he got brutally killed. And then, you know, you have the fake out, right? So we find out this character, Roman, who's the director, you think he's dead. So he's like off the suspect list, but he fakes his death. And in the end, once Sydney is brought to the mansion, to the house where everything is happening in the finale... He reveals himself as not only Roman, but he is her half-brother. We find out that some things, traumatic things, happened to Sydney's mom. She ended up pregnant with a son. She gave this son up, and she was so traumatized by it when he finally tracked her down before the events of the first movie. She rejected him. Is like, no, that's my actress's name's child. I have my whole new family. I want nothing to do with you. And that trauma and that anger pushed him. He, as a director, was filming everything that his mom was doing, gave the info and the motivation to Billy, who then, you know, started the whole chain of events of these movies. So that was a little soapy. A little like bit. Soap opery. Um, but it worked. It worked. Um, I will say this, Roman, and we're going to have our whole killer rankings too, um, later on in part two. I'm going to give the credit that's due to Roman though. Roman is ambitious and it was commented in one of the movies. Roman's ambitious. This dude by himself was probably, probably the closest if not the closest to accomplishing his goal. If he didn't stop and do what every killer does like kill them. Yeah. Stop with the motive. Stop with that. Stop Just talking. Get, stop talking. Right. If you would have stopped talking, um, he really did have like the upper hand. Um, I mean, he had a clear shot to him. And and I don't know why he didn't take that shot. It's, to it's only head. him and Sydney. Right. Everybody else is trying to come in, but they're with the trap, the trap bookcase that they can't open. So they're right. down there for minutes and minutes and minutes on end. Right. And he's just monologuing, monologuing, right. monologuing. But it had a few different twists, right? Like we had expected two killers, we're getting one. 
right? Um, unless but he, you, I mean, he's unless you believe that theory that Angela was like an accomplice who got killed off, but there was no reason to believe that. So I don't believe. So Roman by himself, you know what I mean? Um, that was different. Um, it did make sense, and I think family dynamic drama was a big theme back then too. Um, everything that can traumatize a family, so that fit in nicely with it the kinda, social commentary. It, and it, and it bring the it bring the whole it bring the whole thing back to you know with everything comes from the past, right? The trilogy concept, yep. Uh, like with the Godfather, everything like that, and then you know, again, I I do think that he was the closest to accomplishing his goal. Um, he was definitely the most in physical shape, right? Yeah, like yeah. he did a yeah. lot of work. By himself, but he also at the same time, like he had a clear shot at Sydney's head. He missed his shot, and he and, manhandled her. But Dewey grew because he put a bullet right through his head, you know. And he had that like superhuman moment. Randy was joking about like he, boom, 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 boom. So it was, it was, it was, it was cool. Again, out of all six, it'd be the last ranked for me, but it was still an addition that. For a franchise, it's still a solid sequel, right? And it's still, it was still a solid, a, a, a movie. decent, uh, you know. Except ep- Courtney Cox's bangs. Oh my God, what was she thinking? Yeah, her, her hair. From being so attractive in the second one to what yeah, she looks she, like in that the third was her one. High, high point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, screen three, Brooke. What? Good, bad, and indifferent. What do you got? Good, bad, and indifferent. Um. So, scream three. So the dude that plays Roman, like I. At that time, he was, like, in Dawson's Creek and Felicity, so I was used to him being, I like... I forgot about that. Yeah. I forgot that he comes from a similar background that Courtney Cox came from. Yeah. So, like, for me, he, like, always... So, for me, he, like, always played these, like, pussy characters, so, like, I wasn't expecting him to be the killer, um, but it was... Um, I was not expecting it, for sure. I don't think I saw it when it... Um, first came out because I was kind of skeptical of it but um Jenna McCarthy's in it so that yeah. that also kind of got me like thinking because I grew up with that MTV show that she was on whatever that was lip syncing or whatever but um as far as it goes um I would say overall I was kind of underwhelmed when I first saw it it wasn't um it didn't it was kind of cheesy to me because, like, again, like I said, like, the first one to me is, like... It's the OJ. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, what I want a horror movie to be. I will say that the third one has grown on me with yeah. time, though. Oh, yeah. yeah, Just because... Really, just because of the, the dynamic that it's on a film set, which mm-hmm. I think is really cool. Yeah, that was nice. And how every all the, the core three characters have opposing characters that are playing them yeah and then they're like okay and we're trying to kill them in that in the way that the script is Uh in step three and it's like playing out in real time i i too think that one of my likes about scream three is that when it comes to roman's fake out i was like very much not expecting it to be that that was the first time they pulled it now i i i like it because you see billy get stabbed so you don't suspect Billy, who was able to throw you off for a brief bit there. Roman, like, went the full extra mile, I feel like. Even, like, had to, like, work on his pulse when they were checking it to, like, throw people off. And I really, like, up until that scene, at that point, because I think he's off the list, I'm like, oh, well, he's dead. Tyson's dead, and Tom's dead, and all these people are dead. They really almost had me thinking that fucking the, the Patrick Dempsey might be the killer. Yeah. Like, up until yeah. he is attacked. And I'm still thinking, like, is this staged and there's going to be two, right? Because that's what we got. Right. So there was a few things that really worked well for this one. Um, but again, you know, just a little underwhelming in comparison to the first two. Um in the thrills and everything. Well, I mean, and you don't really, you don't typically have a sequel that's that good. It, 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 it was. In, in two. You know and what I mean? And like, that's a lot to follow. It's a lot to follow. I, I think with such a good sequel as a second one, like, right. you don't see that often. And I'm glad they didn't go with what Kevin Williamson originally wanted to go with, with everything going on at the time it was being made, because I didn't think that that would work um, with bringing Stu back and all the stuff they, they thought of maybe doing. Um, I... 
Also do note that Screen 3 was written not by Kevin Williamson. So even though Kevin Williamson may have been a producer on it or had like a little bit of say in it and everything, I think that there could have been some different things they did. But when I look back on it, like you said, it grows on you. There's a lot of cool things happening with it. And it's still, for a franchise, I can watch Screen 3 and still appreciate it. It's not like other franchises that have gone, God, I hate Halloween ends. Um, doesn't go off it's the not, rails and disrespect not, it's, me. It's not like a sequel that I'm like, I never want to see that piece of dog shit. Again. Right. Like like I said, we just saw Scream 6 the other day and like Scream 7, if it's greenlit, you know, and ready to go, like I will be in that theater as equally as excited as, as everything before. Nathan, any quick comments on Scream 3? Yeah. At the end of Scream 3, it, uh, Roman tries to act dead. He uses, like, he's in a coffin. Sydney comes down to the basement. Yep. No, it wasn't Sydney. It was Jennifer and Courtney, uh, or Gail. Oh, all right. Sorry. But they check it, and they open this coffin and see Roman in it. And he plays so good, doesn't make a move, Mm -hmm. a sound. He pulls the John Kramer. He he had blood that actually looked like blood. Yeah, he... And had it gone. It's so like he was dead. Hmm. Then later on in the movie, you found out, oh, it was just a fake out. Yeah. Like, like, what? I thought you were dead. Yeah. Actually, talking about this tonight kind of makes me appreciate that movie a little bit more. Yeah. Kind There's of. a lot of. The only thing about that movie that I don't think worked at all, because it wasn't even around during that time, so how the hell was it possible? Is they went a little too far with the technology and the fact that Roman had a changer that can mimic other people's voices. Yeah, that, that was, was not like, out like, bro, in 2000. Have, have we don't have that in 2023. Like, you, you have Cotton's voice? Yeah, Come like on, that bro. doesn't work even in 2023. So that was a little like. That was letting you know that we're going to get a little silly with it. I mean, it doesn't take away from the movie. It was humorous. I liked it. It was funny. It, was just, it, it brought it the, was, re- the realism aspect wasn't there that, as much. That was, that was going a little all off script there. But, yeah, I mean, I think Roman's plan was very well executed. And like I said, after seeing all six and everything, I think he's one of the top people who really could have got away with it. Like, he, I mean, he thought, thought it he through. thought it through, and he's alone, mm-hmm. more so than most of the other killers we've seen right. in the franchise. And he no, thought it through, like, the most, because he was, like, from the beginning. Right, from the well, beginning. Well, he started all everything. All back in the past. And really, was a and because everyone yeah. else failed, he said, you know, like, like most Let's situations, do I'll do it myself. <laughs> like, I'm not letting her, and like I said, he had that clear shot to the head and really could have did it, but... You know, um, he miscalculated a little bit there and and slipped up like they all do. Um, At some point, they underestimate Sydney. They do. Sydney is the final girl of all final girls. Um, I still appreciated the last one. I hope to see her back. But look, guys, this is awesome. I've been waiting for this. This has been... What's going on, bud? I've really enjoyed this, hanging out with all three of you. This has been a really fun time, and I hope we get to do. Like, we'll be back, part one. two. Another We're doing yeah, part, part two. two. Part two, I can't wait for it. Yeah. All of us. It's going to be just back. as off the chain as this one. Yeah, it's going to be a lot more off the chain because there's a lot of things there's about a lot those. To talk, there's about a lot those. to talk about. With yeah, those we're going to. There's going to be a lot. The fifth and sixth. You one, almost get more dissective as oh, it goes yeah, on. Oh, yeah. It know gets I mean? really, really cool. And there's so much appreciation because even with. And I will say this real quickly with Scream. Even if formulas, motives, or anything may be like recycled in certain ways or certain aspects, it's still so refreshing. It really is. Somehow like, they do it. They do it. They do and, it every time. And I really appreciate it because since it's been, you know, since the passing of the great Wes Craven and the, the, the writing and the directing going to Matt and Tyler and the guys in the, of the radio last of last two yeah. and Radio Silence... They really are, like, these are really nice nods to Russ. Like, we really appreciated what you did. And they added their own spin. And I think that that's cool. But look, we here at the Philly Pat Project have had a great time. This has been the episode I've been waiting for. And I'm so glad we're doing a part two. Um, I'm really, really excited for that. And I really, really look forward to it. 
Um, the fourth, fifth, and sixth one are so iconic in so many ways. So to be able to come back and be able to dive into that, it's going to be super, super, super cool. Um, I'm glad that we got to get the Scream fans and the family dynamics and the Scream family together for this. I am excited, but stay tuned. Uh, spring break is over. Uh, plot twist, we're back for part two. And here at the Philly Pat Project, we have a lot of other great stuff. The state of horror, uh, the finale of season one, and all this stuff moving forward. So, with that being said, it is great to be back. Thank you for listening. This is Philly Pat from the Philly Pat Project, signing off. Bye! See you! Grateful you had me here. Great time. Awesome. See you guys for part two next week. Scream is going. Adios.